Acts chapter 3, verse 1, it says, One day at three o'clock in the afternoon, Peter and John were on their way into the temple for a prayer meeting. At the same time, there was a man crippled from birth being carried up. Every day he was set down at the temple gate, the one named Beautiful, to beg from those going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for a handout. Peter, with John at his side, looked him straight in the eye and said, look here. He looked up, expecting to get something from them. Peter said, I don't have a nickel to my name, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. He grabbed him by the right hand and pulled him up, and in an instant, his feet and his ankles became firm. He jumped to his feet and he walked. The man went into the temple with them, walking back and forth, dancing and praising God. Everybody there saw him walking around and praising God. They recognized him as the one who sat begging at the temple's gate, beautiful. They rubbed their eyes, astonished, hardly believing what they were seeing. I want to speak a message today that I've called, look at me. Just look at the person next to you and say, look at me. Okay, so now turn to the person you just ignored and say that with a bit more conviction. Say, look at me. All right, come on, let's, let's pray together. Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you for the privilege, again, of being in your house, Lord God. Today, we, we know Christians are gathering all over the world in different buildings, from church buildings to cinemas to clubs to theaters, Lord God, to event centers, Lord God. But we know that as we step into these rooms, these rooms turn into places of worship, turns into your, the house of God, because you have promised Jesus where two or three are gathered in your name, that there you will be in the midst of them. So we thank you that today, Lord God, we have an expectation and a hope and a belief that you are here. You're not just over there, you are here. And because you are here, anything can happen. Because you are here, miracles can happen. Because you are here, dreams can be restored. Because you are here, lives can be made whole. Because you are here, salvation can come into our hearts, Lord God. So we just pray now, Lord God, that you will speak to us the way that we need to hear it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Have you ever had to give some bad news, deliver some bad news? Anyone? You've ever had to deliver some bad news? It could be to a friend. It could be to your boss. It could be to a parent. If anyone remembers giving bad news to your parents. And, you know, I think when you deliver bad news, um, I don't know about you, but I feel like you've got to come with a strategy. You know, you, I think the rookie just kind of just blurts it out and just drops it without any regard to what could, you know, how could this be received on the other end. And I know for me, when I was growing up, if I had to deliver bad news to my parents, especially my mom, um, I, had to, I had to come with a strategy. For those who don't know, my mom, she's an Italian-American. Um, yes, Italian-American from Philadelphia, uh, the city of brotherly love. And, um, and, and, and so you gotta, you got to come with a strategy. And I'm the youngest of, of six kids. And so my strategy really uh, was to get her seated, preferably not in the kitchen, too many sharp objects out there. Um, I would place her in, you know, I would place her in the living room. Uh, in the early years, I would give her a cup of coffee first, only to realize she played by prison rules. Even that became a weapon. And so we would just sit her down, give her a pillow to snuggle. My strategy was to take her on a journey. And that is, I would slowly start to bring up all the things my siblings had done in the past 
that were way worse than what I was about to deliver her. Yeah, that is, uh, some of you are shaking your heads. You can, you know, you should be taking notes. And so I would, you know, I would just sit down and say, Mom, I love you. You're the apple of my eye. You're the queen of the house. You, you know, and then I would say, do you remember when my brother, he stole a bike? And it's like, yeah, I remember that. That was horrible, wasn't it, Mom? It's like, yeah, I'm so sorry I had to go through that. Do you remember when my sister, you know, she was meant to babysit us, but she threw a party instead and, and the house almost caught on fire. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that. Do you remember when my older brother, he was chased by the police and, you know, it ended up bad. And do you remember that? It's like, and, you know, we got, it got worse and worse. And these are actually real stories. And, you know, and she got fuming and she's like, what was it that you wanted to tell me? By the time I delivered my bad news, in comparison, it sounded like good news, ladies and gentlemen. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. Because you realize that when you want to deliver a message, there is a preparation that has to take place. You see, when we are thinking about the times of the Bible, you know, when a king, a monarch had to go and visit another king, they wouldn't just show up unannounced. It's not like a neighbor where you kind of go over and go, hey, can I pop in for a cup of coffee? No, if a king had to visit another king, they would send out some, a delegation to prepare the way. Not just prepare the way in terms of announcing that they were on their way. No, they would send out engineers. They would send out road builders. They would send out bridge builders. And they would try to figure out what is the easiest way what is the smoothest way for the king to be able to take this journey into this other kingdom? If a bridge had to be built, they built it. If a hill had to be flattened, they would flatten it. Whatever they had to do in order to prepare the coming of this king. I remember sitting on a plane once and uh, just before I got my headphones on, the guy next to me, he started talking to me. And I was like, okay, here we go. So we start talking. And I kind of will try and focus the attention on the other person because I just feel that as soon as they hear that I'm a pastor, the conversation dies. It becomes awkward silence and it becomes okay, you know, and we continue and that, that's just not a cool vibe. So, you know, I'm asking questions about them. Oh, what do you do? Great, fantastic. What else? You know, keep talking. And, you know, he kept pressing on because he wanted to ask those words. And that is, so what do you do? And I looked at him and I'm like, well, I'm an event manager. <laughs> oh, really? What do you, like, what kind of events? Like, I run events. When? On Sundays. <laughs> and, so, you know, he kept pushing. He said, yeah, he's like, fine. I'm a pastor. And then he just stopped and he said, man, I don't like Jesus. I, like, it took me back. I was like, I'm like, what? Like, you're weird. Like, how can you not like Jesus? Like, Jesus is like the best dude ever. And then he said, I guess it's not Jesus I have a problem with. He says, it's just that every person who's ever worked for me who claims to be a Christian has like lied, cheated, or stolen from me. I'm like, yeah, that sucks. <laughs> but have you ever noticed that the biggest problem people have with Jesus is actually not with Jesus? That so often the biggest problem people have with Jesus is with those of us who claim to represent him. It's with those of us who claim that we are followers of Jesus. But the way we talk and the way we live our lives bear no resemblance of the way that Jesus wants us to represent. And for too long, Christians, we have been roadblocks rather than roadmakers. 
We have been a hindering block. We have been a stumbling block for people to find Jesus. And I think we have to realize that like it or not, the moment you become a follower of Jesus, you become Jesus with skin on. The moment that you become a follower of Jesus, you are now a representation of Jesus to your surroundings. You know, we... We say prayers like, oh, Jesus, can you visit my school? Or Jesus, can you come into my workplace? Or Jesus, can you be with my family? But the truth is this, if you're there, He's there. Because Jesus lives on the inside. So when you show up, Jesus shows up. When you walk into your workplace, Jesus walks into your workplace. When you walk into your family, Jesus walks into your family. When you sit down at the dinner table, Jesus sits down at the dinner table because Jesus lives on the inside. We are Jesus with skin on. So when you walk into the room, love walks into the room. When you walk into the room, peace walks into the room. When you walk into the room, grace walks into the room. When you walk into the room, faith walks into the room. When you walk into the room, miracles walk into the room. Anything can happen because Jesus lives on the inside. You see, when describing John the Baptist, Jesus, He quoted Isaiah 40. Verse three, where it says, thunders in the desert. How's that for a job title? (laughs) Thunders in the desert. Prepare for God's arrival. Make the road straight and smooth. A highway fit for our God. Fill in the valleys, level off the hills, smooth out the ruts, clear out the rocks, and then God's bright glory will shine and everyone will see it. Yes, just as God has said. The fact is that this was not just meant to be a description of John the Baptist. This is you and me. This is our mandate as Christians. Paul said it like this to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 3, 2. He says, your very lives, your very lives are a letter for everyone that can be read by just looking at you. That your life, my life, it's an open book. It's a letter for people around us to read. My question is, what are they reading? What are they reading when they see our lives? Because we can talk about, well, God is love, great. But are we? Oh, Jesus is full of grace, that's amazing. But are we? Oh, but God is slow to anger, but are we? You know, when we first started church, we had an expression, and this is, we, we made this our tagline for the podcast, and that is, we are who we are. And it came out of, when we first started church, people would ask questions like, what is Hillsong? And then they would say, is Hillsong one of those, you know, happy, clappy churches? And I was like, I don't know. Are you happy, clappy? Am I happy, clappy? Are you happy? I guess if we are happy, clappy, then yeah, we're one of those happy, clappy churches. Yeah, but is Hillsong Church one of those where everybody loves each other and, you know, like there's just great fellowship? I was like, I don't know. Do you love everybody in this great fellowship around you? And do you love everyone in this great fellowship? Do I love everybody in this great fellowship around me? I guess if, if we do, then yeah, that's who we are. Yeah, but is, is Hillsong Church one of those generous churches? I don't know. Are you generous? Are you generous? Am I generous? I guess if we're generous, then yeah, we are generous. Yeah, but is Hillsong Church one of those churches that really encourage the preacher and get behind them and really make them feel awesome? And it's like, I don't know. Like, are we? <laughs> because we are corporately who we are as individuals. It's so easy to, you know, demystify demyst- you know, and make church out here. But really, if you want to see what Hillsong Church is, go look in the mirror. 
When we talk about what do we want Hillsong to be, the, the, really the, the statement should be, be what you want the church to be. Because we are corporately who we are as an individual. Same when it comes to the gospel. Same when it comes to the, the message of Jesus. We talk about who God is, but people around us, they're not seeing Jesus. They're seeing you. They're seeing me. They're seeing the church. The challenge is that we live in a world where we're judged and we're measured on what we don't have, what we can't do, and who we are not. And so like the old saying goes, we spend what we don't have on things that we don't need to impress people we don't like. And then we put up our masks, we put up our fronts, and we go, oh, don't look at me. No, look at someone else, because I don't have everything together. Don't look at me. You know, don't look at me. I mean, no, no, I'll, I'll point at this person. They've got everything together, but don't look at me. Please don't look at me. But Jesus doesn't look at all of that. Jesus doesn't ask you to be faithful what you don't have. Jesus asks you to be faithful what you do have. And let me say this, church, and I want you to catch this. Jesus can do more with what you do have than what you think you can do with what you don't have. Can I say that again? God can do more with what you do have than what you think you can do with what you don't have. Because we, we live in this mindset where we say, one day when? One day when? When I have enough money, then I'll be generous. When I have enough time, then I'll serve. When I have enough energy, then I'll do that. When I have everything together, then I will. But God says, no, 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 I'm not asking you to be faithful what you don't have yet. I'm just asking, what would you do with what is in your hand right now? And God, He will bless what is in your hand right now. You see, it's the Psalm 37 for principle that if we can trust in the Lord, if we can delight in the Lord, then He will give us the desires of our heart. I love this verse because you can read it two ways. You can read it the traditional way of, yeah, He will give you what you desire, that dream, that career, that talent, that relationship, whatever it is that you might say, I, I dream, that is my desire. But you can also read it the other way, and that is that God gave you that desire, that, that he, he gave you that desire to begin with. I think sometimes we come into church a little bit timid because we're like, oh, but I don't want to be like everyone else. You know, you look at Christians and you're like, I don't, want, I don't want to be a cardboard cutout Jesus follower where it's like, you know, I've got to give up everything and I don't want to work for church and I don't want to, you know, do. And you look around, and, but the, the fact is God made you the way He made you to use you the way He made you. God didn't make you one way in order to use you another way. Some of you, you listen to music and you just hear things that other people don't hear. Some of you look at art and you see things that no one else sees. Some of you look at a business and it just makes sense. Some of you even have the audacity to look at an Excel spreadsheet and it just comes alive. I don't know how, but you do. Because we are all made differently. But God made you that way in order to use you that way. So He gave you that desire so that you could glorify God with it. Look at Peter and John, Acts 3. Peter said, I don't have a nickel to my name. It's a great opening line. Someone's begging, hey, what? I don't have any money. <laughs> but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, walk, grabbed him by the right hand, took him up, and he jumped to his feet, and in an instant his feet and ankles became firm. You see, our job is to make the pathway to Jesus as easy and smooth as possible. 
Now, I think some people, they hear that, and sometimes they think that means that we need to water down the gospel or you know, lower the bar for what it means to get saved. And that's not what I'm saying. I, I've even had people say to me, and this is true, I've had people say to me over the years, you guys, you know, talking about our church, you guys make it too easy for people to become Christians. You know when people say something and you don't know if it's an insult or a compliment? I was like, I think your tone makes me think that it's an insult, but the content, so I'm like, thank you? You know, it's like, you guys make it too easy. I was like, thank you, I guess, you know, because I think what people, they think is that, well, if you're gonna be a real Christian, we need people to squirm in their sin. They need to feel sorry. And what they're really saying is, I need to be appeased by your repentance. So me as a human, I will decide when you as a human have squirmed enough in your sin before I will accept your repentance. Can we just look at how Jesus did it? This is Jesus calling his disciples. Hey guys, follow me. That was it. He didn't go over there and say, like, all right, Peter, stop swearing, you filthy fisherman. You know, he didn't go over there and say, like, I want everyone to repent. And once you've repented, I'm going to be back in three weeks. And if you've done the right course and you've passed all the tests, I'll come back and then you can follow me. No, he walked in. He's like, so, fishing, hey? How's it going? All right, cool. All right, come follow me. That was it. What is it that has over the years turned that into something complicated? I mean, if you saw me drowning, I, I, and, I, and I guess I would love to just make a deal here because it might come in handy one day. If you ever see me drowning, could we just make an agreement? Can you just get me out? Could you just help? Like, could you just pull me out of the water? Because I think some people, they think, nah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna you're not ready to be saved yet. You're gonna dip down, you know, like, you don't, you don't want it bad enough, you know. Once you want air as much as you want, you know, like start quoting like random philosophers. And it's like, you know, it's like, do you want it? It's like, oh, uh, you know, you're, you're dying. And it's like, yeah, that's hypothermia. Suck it up, you know. <laughs> no, can you just pull me out? Just pull me out and put a blanket around me. Now, as I'm sitting there going, oh, thank you. Thank you for saving me. Now you might say, man, had you, had you been in there for five more minutes? You're, you know, there would have been a cardiac arrest. You would have had hypothermia. There's sharks in the water and, you know, crazy stuff happening down there. Do you think as you are explaining to me what I got saved from, that I'm getting more and more arrogant? No, as, as I'm walking this journey out and understanding more and more of my salvation, do you know what's growing? My gratitude. My gratitude. Now my only response is, how can I serve you? What can I do for you? Our jobs as Christians, our calling, it is to prepare a way. Make the road easy and smooth, just like the people the king would send ahead of them. Now, don't cloak it with religion. I mean, we cloak this stuff with religion and, and, and yantelo, and, and we're like, oh, no, don't look at me. Don't, don't look at me. Just look at Jesus. And, you know, we go up and we try and give a compliment, and we're like, hey, well done, you know, on the drums, you did really well. Oh, no, that wasn't me. It's Jesus. It's like, no, I'm pretty sure it was you. <laughs> so, no, no, it wasn't me, it was Jesus. I'm pretty sure we recorded it. Like, I'm, we can look at the videos later, but I'm pretty sure it was you playing. 
But it, we, we so like, we, we cloak it in this religious language. And I kind of guess, you know, guess where you're coming from. But at the end of the day, is it okay? Like Peter and John just say, look at me. Look at me. It's not about you, but as road makers, it is about you for a season. You see, our job as road makers, it is to make a way, then get out of the way. Sorry, camera person. It is to make a way and then get out of the way. It's to make a way and then get out of the way. So for a season, it is about you. For a season, it is about how you talk, how you walk and how you act. It is about your life. It is this balance between get people's attention, you get it, you get it, and then you give it. You get it, then you give it. So people look at you, look at you, and then you point them to Jesus. I mean, isn't that what we do up here? Well, isn't that what we do as leaders? You know, you get up here, you get worship leaders up here, and you're like, oh, we're right, we gonna worship Jesus now, and come on, guys. And you know, what they're really saying is, All right, guys, look at me. Guys, look at me. Guys, can everyone just be quiet and look at me? Because now we need to look to Jesus. I mean, that's why I'm up here yelling and spitting and, you know, running around. Why do I do that? Because I know that there is a million things right now trying to get your attention. Some of you, your stomach is like, I'm hungry. Others of you, your brain is going, did I turn off the oven? Someone else is like, did I lock the front door? How's that dog going? Your, your phone is vibrating. Someone's asking out for lunch. Your phone is saying, hey, you need to harvest this, otherwise you're gonna lose all your blueberries. And someone's attacking you. And, you know, all this is happening. In the middle of all of that, I'm up here saying, hey guys, look at me, guys, hello. I'm trying to get your attention because once I have it, I can now say, now look to Jesus. That's our jobs, to get the attention of the world around us and to point it to Jesus. Paul said it like this, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow me, follow me, fo follow, follow me. Come on guys, follow me, now you, follow me as I follow Jesus. So we, we have people following us and they just, just follow me. Just look how I talk, look how I do life. Look at my decision, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I know I'm a jar of clay, but for now, I'm the closest thing to Jesus that you get. So for now, just follow me. And at some point, you're gonna get it for yourself and you're like, oh, you got it for yourself? Okay, cool, and now I'll go back to someone else. Okay, now follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. Now, okay, follow Jesus. You know, that is our job as Christians. Turn to the person next to you and say, look at me. Oh, we're going to say that with a bit more conviction. Look at the person and say, look at me. <laughs> so how do we live lives like this? Number one, we have to see people. See, see people. You see, on this day, in Acts chapter three, someone got healed. It was a great miracle. But what was so special about this day? I mean, something, there must have been something special that out of all days, it was this day. Do you know what was special about that day? Nothing. <laughs> like nada, nilch, like absolutely nothing. There was nothing special about this day. When we read these verses, the whole situation was at best ordinary. <laughs> like ordinary. I mean, we look at it and it goes, it says one day. It doesn't even give us which day. Monday, Wednesday, thank God it's Friday. We don't know. It just says one day, 
When? At the usual time of prayer. Just, it was just a time of prayer. It wasn't even 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock. Oh, no, it's just a time of prayer. And, you know, what happened was this a special day he got put out? No, he got put out every day. He was in the same place doing the same thing at the same time. It was just another day. And I want to tell you this, church, and that is big moments don't announce themselves. Big moments don't announce themselves. Don't you wish they did, though? I mean, wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome if you woke up this morning and it's like, doom, doom, a service announcement from heaven. Welcome to Sunday. It's going to be a great day. Forecast is horrible, but it's okay. Today, we, you're going to meet the one that you're going to marry. So you might want to change that shirt, not that shirt, the other one, the blue one, not that one, the other blue, and maybe have a shower. One more, maybe. All right, good luck with that. Bing. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't it be amazing if you woke up in the morning? Oh, welcome to Monday. It's going to be a great day today. I'm just letting you know your boss is going to look at, look through all your work today. So you might want to just do, it, do your job, dummy. Okay, good luck with that. I mean, wouldn't that be fantastic? But big moments don't announce themselves. See, the extraordinary happens when we see the extraordinary in the ordinary. Why? Because the extraordinary moments are wrapped up in ordinary circumstances. I mean, we, we think that, oh, the day God's going to do something, it's going to be like, I'm going to walk through and the doors are going to open on their own. It's like, oh, 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 you know, I'm just going to walk around like a Jedi and things are just going to happen around me. Angels are going to bring me coffee and, you know, it's just going to be like this. No, it's going to be like any other day. You know what makes this church extraordinary? is a whole bunch of extraordinary people who can see the extraordinary in ordinary tasks, like standing in front of a front door with a love all, serve all t-shirt, just doing that. Oh, I'm rusting on to do this. I mean, what, like, what difference am I making? Well, I'll give you the most recent example. Last week, I brought someone to church who's a fairly new Christian. And as we came in here, like, he had tears in his eyes, like, what's, what's going on? Are you all right? He's like, man, I, just, I, I, saw, like, I saw someone standing with a love all, serve all, and it just made sense. Isn't that what Christianity is all about? I'm like, oh, now you're getting me, man. Like, stop. It's, it's, the, it's the amazing volunteers who see how awesome it is and what a privilege it is for them to look after other people's children so that parents can come in and have church, so that the kids can, you know, just have church on their language in their way. It is the amazing team up here that are rehearsing every week and, Spending time and energy to create moments for us to worship. It's, the, it's like Will who is sitting right now in the back, you know, mixing the TV signals for whatever we're recording on his birthday out there in the dark. I mean, it's heroes like that. It is the sound people. It's the p events people that put out a, you know, a chair and make sure everything is fine and wiping everything down in between services. It's the parent that just keeps showing up at work that pays the bills and is just doing the ordinary task of putting the house together. It is the kids that are just going to school and just minding their own business and doing work and doing their homework. And it's all those little, you know, decisions every single day, the consistent decisions, but you see something in it. You see that faithfulness matters. You see the stewardship, it matters. You see those things that serving others, it matters. And that is when the extraordinary happens. You've got to see people. 
I wonder if we see people. I wonder if we see people. Like tomorrow, you're going to be at work. You're just going to talk to someone. You go, hey, how's your weekend? And someone's going to be, yeah, it's okay. Are we just going to fly by that? Or are we going to stop? It's like, wait, 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 wait. What do you mean it's just okay? You all right? Oh, you don't want to hear about my weekend. No, no, I actually, I actually do want to hear about your weekend. What's up? Oh, it's just, I don't know, marriage is not good. I don't know if we're going to make it, but whatever. Not, you know, only 50% of marriages work, hey? No, no, hey, 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 hey. Why don't we have lunch this week? Do we see people? Someone on the train, someone on the bus, you know, struggling to get in or off. Or, and you're like, hey, can I help you? Yeah, man, no one's, ugh. yeah, whatever, no one helps. Like, what do you mean no one helps? I don't know, it's just the story of my life. Are we just letting these things fly by? Or do we see people? Peter and John, they were in the ordinary place, walking past people that were there all the time. There was nothing, it wasn't like, whoa, look, there's a beggar. No, it was ordinary. But they saw him. We first have to see people. Number two, we've got to give people something to see. We've got to give people something to see. Are we giving people something to follow? Are we living attractive Christianity? What is attractive Christianity? Attractive Christianity is not, let me repeat myself, attractive Christianity has nothing to do with the clothes you wear, what you drive or don't drive, or where you live. That's not attractive Christianity. Attractive Christianity is authentic Christianity. It's basically that this works, that I am here for you in the good seasons and in the challenging seasons. Attractive Christianity is that when you show up to work, and half of the workforce has been fired and you don't know whether your job is still secure, but you show up still confident, still serving, still giving everything and people look at you going, man, how can you still you know, work with such pleasure and joy? Like, don't you know that you might be fired? Yeah, I'm not saying I'm not nervous about it. I'm not saying that I'm not like, I, of course I wanna keep my job. But you know, I also trust that God will work everything together for good. It's not that we don't feel pain. It's not that we don't feel grief. It's not that we don't feel loss. But in the midst of our pain, we say, God, I will still choose to praise you. I will still choose to trust you, God, even in the midst of this pain. That is attractive Christianity. Listen, anyone can hate. Anyone can bear grudges. Someone hurts you, you hurt them back. Anyone can do that. Hurt people, hurt people. But Christianity goes into the impossible. We don't just forgive our enemies, we pray for them. We don't just go the mile, no, we go the extra mile. We, we go where we not even want it. Jesus put it like this in Matthew 5. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in this world. God is not a secret to be kept. No, we're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm gonna hide you under a bucket, do you? No, I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. And by opening up to others, look at me. Look, look at me. By opening up to others, look at me. Look at me. You will prompt people to open up with God. Now look at Jesus. Your actions of generosity, your actions of hospitality, your actions of service is causing people to look at you. 
and is making them wonder about God. Your generous Father in heaven. And lastly, number three, help people see Jesus. Help people see Jesus. How do people see Jesus? We help point out what Je- where Jesus is at in their lives. You see, I think for too long, Christians have thought that maybe we can impress people into, into heaven as if, pe- as, as if, you know, salvation is something we can impress onto people. You know, look at our big building or look at our worship or look at our lives. And it's like, you can't impress anyone into heaven. Just like you can't even talk anyone into heaven. It's a supernatural act of God. And so this whole idea of helping people see Jesus, you know, it's funny though, because that's where so often we we start using our religious tone. (laughs) You know, we all have a religious tone. You know, it's like when you're talking about the weekend, you're like, How's, how's the weekend? Yeah, it's great. Manchester United killed it as per usual. We're not arrogant. We're just better. You know, and, you know, or like, yeah, it was great. I was with my kids. We were at a party. And then when it comes to the part about God, we all put on the FM late night radio voice. Let me talk to you about Jesus. And it's like, that's not relaxing. That's just scary. It's like Jesus should be the most natural part of our lives. Just like you talk about sport and just like you talk about music, so we should talk about Jesus. But we help people see Jesus. We help people. We sit in the conversation and say, do you think this is just a coincidence? Can you see how God is working in your life? And it's slow steps. It is small steps, but help people find Jesus in their lives. And remember, church, we are Jesus with skin on, which means until they find Jesus for themselves, people will first follow you. They will follow you. Let me finish with this, because I love this. It's a perfect description I find of salvation. Peter said, I don't have a nickel to my name. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus, walk. And listen to this description of salvation. He grabbed him by the right hand and he pulled him up. And in an instant, his feet and his ankles became firm. He jumped to his feet and he walked. Church, that is salvation. We go and we bend low, not because people are below us or beneath us or less valuable than us, but as an act of service, we serve people and we lift up their lives and we help them up on their feet and we walk with them and we go, are you okay? Is your marriage better now? Is your mind better now? We walk this out with them until they become strong enough to walk on their own. Are you good? You can walk on your own. We go to the next person. Can I help you up? Come on, can we walk together? Come on, let's walk together. I've got you. I've got you. We're we, we in this together. You're good. Now follow Jesus for yourself. You go to the next person. Come. Can I help you? Come on. You look at me. Come on. You follow me. Can we do this together? I've got your back. I'm in the ring with you. Now you go. You follow Jesus. That is our job as Christians to say, just look at me. Just follow me as we follow Jesus. Imagine if as a church we could do that. Imagine as a church if we could go out to all our different spheres this week all our little hide-and-seek moments, and to see people, give them something to see, and help them see Jesus for themselves. Maybe you're here today, and the reason why you're in church is because someone brought you along so that you would find Jesus. You might be sitting here and go, wait a minute, is that, is that, is that why I'm here? <laughs> is that why you brought me? You, got, you tricked me. 
Yeah, but it's all good. Because they just want you to experience what they've experienced. You see, becoming a follower of Jesus doesn't mean that your life becomes perfect. Far from it. The Bible says, Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. It's a promise. But He says, don't lose heart because I've overcome the world. Which means that we go through our shadows, you know, our valleys of shadow of death. We go through our seasons of whether it's depression or anxiety or sickness or whatever it is, the shadowy lands. We go through those. But the key word is through. We go through it. And God, He enables us and He empowers us through the pain, through the obstacles to take us through to the other side. And I'd love to pray for anyone here today that you've never had an encounter with Jesus. You've never opened up your life to the reality of God. Or maybe you once did, but for whatever reason, you've walked away. Maybe you got distracted by everything else and you stopped looking at Jesus. You see, in the Bible, looking and believing is interchangeable. You look to Jesus, you believe in Jesus, it's, it's interchangeable. And so maybe in the midst of your world, you got distracted, you started looking to other things for affirmation, you started looking to other things for validation, you started looking to other things for your confirmation. But God is saying, come on, look at me. Put your eyes back on Jesus. And so I'd love just to ask everyone just to close your eyes, just to give everyone a moment of privacy. And what I'm going to do, I want to just count to three. And when I get to three, I want every person who wants to say yes to Jesus, or today you're coming back to Him. When I say three, I just want you just without any hesitation, without looking around, just as high enough and long enough for me to see you, just to lift your hand so I know who I'm praying for, and then you can put it down. Are you ready? One, don't let this moment slip by. Don't put it off to a moment that you're not guaranteed you have. We have right here and right now. Two, not talking to the person next to you. I'm talking to you. Do you know Jesus? I'm not saying go out, become perfect, come in, and then He will love you. He already loves you. We serve a come as you are Savior, which means there is nothing that you can do that makes Him love you more, and there's nothing you can do that makes Him love you less. He loves you with an eternal love. So when I say three, I want every person wants to say yes to Jesus for the first time or today you're coming back. When I say three, just lift your hand. You ready? On three, three. Just lift your hand all over this place. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Beautiful, thank you. That's awesome, well done. Thank you. Wow, amazing, thank you, thank you. So good, so good. You can put your hands down. This is what we're going to do. We're going to say a prayer right now. I'm going to ask everyone to pray this. And just pray loud enough for the person next to you that can hear it so they know that we're in this together, that we've got each other's backs. So come on, just repeat after me. Just say, Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my mistakes and my sin. But today, I choose you. I make you my Lord and Savior. And from today, I'm a follower of Jesus. I am forgiven and I am free. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Come on, can we congratulate? Can we celebrate every person making this decision? Beautiful.